You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on the Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I'm the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book. It's time that you have a way to create flavor-packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. Welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Stephanie Bonastia. I really hope I pronounced that correctly. You did. <laughs> you got it. We were talking before we hit record, and I was like, can you help me pronounce your name so I don't pronounce it incorrectly? But Stephanie is a recovery coach, and she specializes in helping women overcome food and body image issues, which we are all about over here on Food Freedom Podcast. So I'm very excited for today's conversation. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Yeah. So I'd love if you took a minute just to introduce yourself to our audience, kind of who you are um, and a little bit about what you do. Sure. Yeah. I'm Stephanie and I am a recovery coach and I work with mostly women in, you know, on their journeys from recovering from ranges of disordered eating, but specifically binge eating and body image issues, Mm -hmm. as well as orthorexia. So like an obsession with clean eating, things like that, diet culture Mm -hmm. in general. And I work alongside of Typically, I work alongside of therapists or registered dietitians, not always, depending on the treatment team, to help be a a strong support system as people navigate through this journey. So I remember, you know, as I was healing my own issues with food and body image that I wished I had someone to just like reach out to who could just lend me like kind of just that support system of that Mm day-to-day. So... (laughs) Part of what I do is I am available day in and day out for people who are like in the middle of, you know, kind of like a crisis moment. They're like, I don't know what to do, or I'm having these feelings and they're really overwhelming. You know, I I need, I need to know someone's there listening. Yeah. That's kind of what the role of, which is, it's a little bit different than the therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, and it's also just a bit more, we provide a lot of tools and proactive approaches to getting Mm -hmm. through those moments. Yeah. Gosh, I found from clients I work with who have recovery coaches, they're so, so helpful. Cause I know kind of where I see them showing up in some of the work I do with clients as a dietitian is I feel like they're kind of like you were describing, like you're able to be there in more of that day to day work with clients. And so like, if I have a client and we're setting goals around meals or challenging food fears, like the recovery coach is so, so helpful in like, kind of like, 
boots on the ground going through. I think you even yeah. said that when you were, were talking to me, sent over your bio, like in like the day-to-day stuff with the clients that, you know, as the dietitian or, or therapist, we don't always have like the time or ability to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause I would, I remember, you know, as I was doing this, it was like, okay, I would have the discussion with my therapist or, you know, and I would, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I got it. I have the concepts. I understand. Here I go. And I'd go into my week. And then in the real time of like walking down to my kitchen or making the decision of like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it's time to eat now. And I would have like a panic attack about it. Or I would just, yeah. or I would make a decision and then be second guessing it. My mental, like the mental gymnastics I was doing around, like just, just the thought mm-hmm. process. And I, it was like, okay, now what did they say? What am I supposed to do? How do I implement that strategy here in this actual mm-hmm. moment? And that was when, you know, I think as I was going mm-hmm. through it, I wasn't a coach yet then, but I remember thinking this is, this is a, a missing piece of the recovery puzzle that I would really like to fill one day. Yeah. But here I am. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I think I see this a lot with other providers and colleagues that I have, like when you have lived experience yourself, not that it's like necessary to be a good provider that you have to have lived experience, but I think it helps you just have this relatability and like, okay, I've been in your shoes. Like I get it. I get what you need. Yeah. Mm. I think that can be super, super beneficial. Yeah, definitely. I would say that that's probably mm. the, one of the more important things is just someone realizing, okay, you've done this too. Okay. You get what I'm feeling. You yeah. can validate that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Tell me a little more. I would love to hear, cause you, you talked about a little bit, your own struggle with, with eating disorders and that journey. And I would love to hear kind of how, you were able to find freedom and and get to that side of recovery. Cause I know a lot of clients I work with and just people I interact with, whether it's eating disorders or just, you know, chronic dieting and anywhere in between, it can feel like this never ending battle of like, is this like recovery and food freedom and life on the other side? Like, is that really possible? (laughs) Honestly, some days I'm like, I can't believe I'm (laughs) even here. Um, because I struggled for um, Mm. over 20 years, uh, with, an eating disorder and all all versions of different eating disordered and disordered eating patterns Mm. and a really bad body image. So when I was a teenager, I developed, you know, in this kind of typical fashion of how one develops an eating disorder in their teen years. And I just, it went from more restrictive disorder into binge eating and bulimia. And it sort of toggled between binge eating and bulimia for years and years, decades. I got married through it. I had kids through it. I always was waiting for it to end. It was always in my mind, something that was like just mm-hmm. around the corner, but I never was actually getting there. And there were periods of time that were better than others yeah. that I would have considered recovery. So anytime I like lost weight or managed to get my binge eating under control via restriction, I thought that was recovery um, because I was just happier with my weight. So I was like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm recovered. And then all of Mm -hmm. a sudden I just like swing right back into this, these binging episodes that sometimes would last for months or even years before I could kind of get this handle on it again. And so I believed it was just a matter of me figuring out a way to stay in the restrictive place, the restrictive part of that cycle. And I just was never managing to do it for long enough. And so 
I worked mm-hmm. with a therapist all through this time. I went even to um, different tr- different treatment, inpatient and outpatient. Um, it had gotten really bad at certain points in my in my path, and I was treated under like um, a general recovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, an addiction model of recovery. So it was mostly about abstinence from my binge foods and things like that. And also, of course, you know, mm-hmm. self talk and mm-hmm. working on not purging behaviors and things like that. But nothing stuck. Mm-hmm. And so it was around the time I was, I had had my third daughter and I was in my late thirties and I was looking at 40, like, oh my gosh, this Mm -hmm. isn't getting better. Like I'm still here, you know, 25 years later, and this isn't changing at all. And had this moment of, and watching, of course, raising three daughters too. And that has its own unique set of (laughs) pressures attached to it. And I think it was actually because I was raised, uh, my, my oldest at the time was beginning to notice that my dinners were different. Yeah. Um, and that I was always dodging dinner. And I was like, this, this something has to change or nothing is going to change. And I actually picked up a copy of the book, mm-hmm. The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dune. And it must have just hit me at the right time on the right, you know, this just this perfect moment where I was ready because I'd certainly attempted to eat all foods before I had read Mm -hmm. Janine Roth uh, and her books and I had attempted it, but I just hadn't really let go of the mentality. And so it never had, had taken. And so I was just in this place in my life, I think where I was ready and I read that book Mm -hmm. and I like breathed a huge sigh of relief. And I was like, this is what I need. I need to, and for anyone who's listening, who's not familiar, it was just the idea of allowing all foods and not restricting as a means to getting over binging, um, as restriction being the fuel for binges. And I, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to allow myself to eat and I'm not going to let the fear like pull the reins in on that, um, which is typically what had happened. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to one day on my birthday, actually I, I started and I have not binged a day since, and I'm not restricted a day since. And of course, that's a really oversimplified way of telling mm. you how it happened. But that was how it looked uh, mm-hmm. on the whole. Um, but it was yeah. hard. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I think, I mean, I think one, that's a testament to like recovery can one look different for so many different people, but it can take time. It can kind of ebb and flow. Like, I think it's easy and I, I see this a lot where like we see people on the other side, like having reached recovery and it's easy to think like, oh, well, their path must have been super straight, like point A to point B. And then I reach recovery and, and life is good. But it's oftentimes very opposite of like, there's some ups, there's some downs, there's life transitions that happen along the way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love all of that. Yeah. I actually had, I went into like old um, emails. I didn't, I never like journaled, but I had all these old emails and I was reading some of them recently. I was looking for something else. And I found these emails that I had sent to um, my therapist. I guess it was maybe mm-hmm. almost five years prior to this, the actual recovery. And it sounded like, I was like, wow, I don't even remember yeah. this, but it looks like I had mm-hmm. attempted something like this before. But it, I was like, that's interesting. Cause when I did, when I did it this time, mm-hmm. it seemed like it was like this novel idea, but I think the idea had been planted before. It's just that I wasn't ready for it. And so it had turned into something else. And I had this email saying, well, I'm trying to allow foods, but it's not working because I'm still gaining weight. So this isn't for me, you know? And it was like, oh, I had it. I almost had it, (laughs) but Mm, I didn't. Yeah. So definitely that it's, it's a series of stops and starts (laughs) and that I think it builds. I don't think it's not doing anything. I think there's a tendency to think that 
oh, I'm not doing Mm -hmm. it right and I'm not getting anywhere. But I really believe that all of these efforts and all of the information that you absorb during this entire process, no matter if you feel like it works at the end of the day or not, is is accumulating. And they're building foundations and they're building knowledge Mm -hmm. that maybe one day fits together in a way that really makes sense. So I I don't think it's a fruitless journey, even if it feels like it's not going anywhere. Mm, That's so good. Because yeah, I mean, I think it sometimes just takes hearing the same thing over and over, or even hearing it, because you talked about that book, like hearing it from someone else's perspective, like maybe your therapist or, you know, other people in your life had told you similar things that you saw in the book, but then you read it through a different like vantage point or just at a different time in your life. And, and it hits you differently. I think that is so good. Like, it's not like all the work you had done before was just a waste. It's just, it was building on that moment when it, when it kind of clicked for you. Yep. So yeah, I would love to, to spend a little bit of time talking about this idea of like wellness culture and diet culture and kind of what that is. Cause I think, you know, those are phrases that we hear a lot in this space, but I think sometimes can be like, we talk about them as if everyone knows like what we mean, but, but there can be confusion around like, okay, are they the same thing? Wellness culture and mm. diet culture, are they different? If so, how do they differ? Um, so yeah, I would mm. love to hear kind of how, how you describe this. Yeah. I, I hadn't actually heard the terms diet culture or wellness culture prior to recovery, but now that I understand what they are, I was like, yeah, I was definitely in the thick of both. So yeah. diet culture being just the idea that, you know, weight loss is the number one goal. It is the most important thing. And that almost Mm -hmm. that disordered eating, you know, the way that we can engage in disordered eating is the path towards weight loss. And that this is a perfectly socially sanctioned thing to Mm -hmm. do. It's, it's really that, that driver of weight loss above all else and weight loss is health. Um, And then wellness culture being sort of the pseudo diet culture, but just under another name. So diet culture, pursuit of thinness and wellness culture is the pursuit of health. And I think that this has become a really sneaky way of diet culture, just revamping the same way Weight Watchers is like, I know they're W like wellness watchers or something. Yeah. It's like a, you know, perfect slide because the new morality is health. And so I think diet culture is catching on to the idea that people are are rejecting the idea that we have to be, you know, this certain size and there is more body diversity and dieting is kind of like a, I don't know, it's not really a buzzword anymore. People don't want to be associated dieting it's like well no I'm just doing this for my health it's wellness it's wellness wellness is the new gold standard you know and so you can it's a it's a much more noble Mm. pursuit um and so you can sort of get away with oh well I'm I'm eating all these things I'm restricting all these foods because I want to be healthier and also thinner um, but I don't have to say thinner anymore because it's maybe seen Mm -hmm. as more of a vanity issue and so I was certainly I fell right into that after, um, I, you know, I started having kids and I started to, it was another tactic of how I was attempting to recover. I actually became certified as an integrative health coach and I started my own health coaching business. And I was a sugar detox coach and I got certified under the 21 day sugar detox plan. And I was teaching people how, you know, the devils of sugar and how to be gluten-free even in the absence of celiac. And I mean, I was diet slash wellness culture personified, Mm -hmm. but I believed it. I was really like into it. It was 
it, be, it grew into orthorexia. For yeah. me. You know, I was obsessed with clean eating. I mean, absolutely obsessed and mm-hmm. believed it was like what everyone was missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of like, when I think about it, like, I'm like, oh gosh, there's a lot of um, righteousness about it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah I, I sort of just transferred. And I think this happens a lot where the obsession with being thin gets transferred onto the obsession mm-hmm. with being well yeah. and being healthy. And that becomes a new moral obligation for us. And it becomes as much of an obsession and an identification as anything else. But it's just, I think, more slippery because mm-hmm. it hides really nicely under something that we're all supposed yeah. to be pursuing anyway. Um, and it makes it so confusing for people because like you said, I feel like so many diets, diet companies have caught on to people are starting to to get that like, okay, diets don't work. Like all these like, you know, Weight Watchers and Atkins and things that have been so prevalent in the past, like people aren't really buying into, but when you rebrand it or when you say like, well, this is a lifestyle change or it makes me think, I feel like Noom is one that like screams this too of like, you know, all their advertising, it talks about like, well, it's psychology based and it's this and it's that. And, you know, they use different wording, but then when you sign up for Noom and you see like, okay, well now it's having me count calories and restrict and it's all pointing me towards weight loss. Like, so it is a diet, but they're just like disguising themselves under this like (laughs) wellness culture because it, yeah, it, it seems not as vain, like, oh, well, this isn't about weight loss. Like I want to be healthy. I want to live longer. I want to, you know, this and that. But I also think at the end of the day, the motivation still, like it all roots back to weight loss. It's like, I want to be healthy. And now I can just say, you know, it's for my health. Even if it's things like, well, I want to improve my cholesterol levels. Like there's still this like deeper, like, and I like hope I lose weight. Like I hope my body changes. And that's still how I'm going to like, gauge if this was successful or not. Yeah, because there's still a conflated sense of health and weight too. So it's this idea that, mm-hmm. well, we're chasing health, but I mean, obviously then you lose weight because if you're not yes. thin, then you can't be healthy. And and fitness as well. Yes. I think fitness culture is another one of those cultures mm-hmm. we can throw in there. Like, For sure. Um, sculpted body as well. And, you know, this whole idea of that that is mm-hmm. the picture of health. I have come to understand this so differently because it's such a buy-in. I mean, it really is. I think this is a, a media, you know, the media really impacts the way we're seeing that as well. And the bodies we're seeing that promote wellness mm-hmm. culture look thin and really yeah. fit and that this has all become mm-hmm. one. And that, that now mm-hmm. being on the other side of this, understanding that how unhealthy I really was when I looked my quote unquote best, um, how I felt at that time yeah. and how my body was reacting actually at that time was so not well. And that now, you know, mm. I have a much more actual holistic sense of health. It's funny because I'm a holistic, I was certified as a holistic integrative health coach. Holistic health being like uh-huh. that was what drove that program. So much of it fueled my orthorexia. Yeah. I feel now that my my understanding of what holistic health means mm. is so much more on point and it's so much more broad. And I feel like I'm a true holistic yes. health coach now, but it's certainly not what the picture of it looked like or what it was like inside yeah. of it and the people that I was in the programs with mm. and the things that we were saying to one another, you know, that yeah. were just completely. And it's hard when you're in that like bottle in a sense and in that environment and 
just the way, I mean, in programs like that, the way they're teaching it to you, it's like, oh my gosh, this has to be true. Like sugar is the devil. Like no one needs to be eating it. Like I need to like help improve these people's health. And because again, it's like, oh, well, this is helping their health. This is helping. This isn't about their weight. But then the more time you like spend in it, it's like, wait, this is very disordered. Like it's still putting rules around things that don't need to have rules. And like your own experience of, you know, the, the restricting that then leads to the binging where it's like those people who are trying to cut out sugar probably then end up binging on it and then feeling out of control. And that kind of fuels then the fire of like, Oh, I must be addicted to sugar. Like sugar is horrible because I can't eat a cup of ice cream. I eat the whole gallon. Like, Exactly. And I think that's exactly why this works the way it does, because and I'm speaking from experience on this, because I really only Mm -hmm. ever understood food in a black and white sense. So I understood that I was either restricting it and really micromanaging it or I was binging on it. And so the idea Mm -hmm. became to move closer to the side of restriction and micromanagement because, you know, you could do that and it felt better for a little while. Because I I only understood that the alternative was something that was completely on the other side of the spectrum. And I think when you're talking about people who are who are really battling wellness culture or diet culture or fitness culture, you're dealing with mm-hmm. people who have that exact mentality, this black and white experience yeah. of food. And so it becomes a choice you're making between one or the other. So you're going to really hold on to and you're going to really identify with and lean on the restrictive side, because if you don't, Mm -hmm. you're talking about being completely out of control. I had no idea that there was a middle. I had no idea I could achieve, like to me, I was just broken and it was either this or it was that. And it Mm -hmm. must've been because of the sugar, you know, that I couldn't, yeah, the food addict uh, or the sugar addict narrative really helps support like a case for staying Mm -hmm. on the side of restriction. I never would have imagined that I would be able to Mm. learn how to eat in a way that was, you know, that, that I still, I still now really love things I ate in well in, you know, and it's the height of wellness culture. I, I really love greens and I really, you know, I, I have smoothies and I I enjoy those things are part of my life, but I also have ice cream with my kids when, you know, on a hot summer day. And then we have like a birth, I eat the birthday cake now and I have just regular meals um, that have a bit of everything. And some days look like this and some days look like this, but it's never a matter of being out of control around either. And I just didn't think that was accessible because I only lived in a black and white world with food. And Mm. when I work with clients, it's very, it's, it's the same pattern all the time where it's, it's a learned behavior of being black and white. And so it seems like you have one option or another and the actual, you know, healing process is a, is, is going through a very, very bumpy road, but of ultimately coming to a place of understanding that all of these foods can exist yeah. together in, in not yes, extreme Yes. Ways. And it's so, I mean, if you think about, you know, we've talked about like wellness culture, diet culture, fitness culture, all of these different institutions or places or whatever you refer to them as all these different cultures, like fuel the fire of good and bad food, black and white thinking like this very rigid, eat this, don't eat this. And so then it makes it hard to even envision like, what is this middle ground in this gray area? Like how can salad and ice cream coexist? And I love what you said too, because I think there's also the assumption of like, well, if I'm walking away from diets and restriction and rules, then does that mean I can never have a salad again? Like, am I, am I dieting if I'm eating a salad? But I think, you know, so many things there of like, 
the motivation for mm-hmm. eating the salad? Is it because that's what sounds good? It's what you're craving. It's what you have on hand or is it rooted in restriction? And, you know, same thing with choosing the ice cream, like both of those things can exist and there doesn't have to be rules or guilt or compensation or anything like that, that comes with it. And I think that that's what can be so freeing for people. It's like, okay, I don't have to, like, if I genuinely enjoy a smoothie for breakfast in the morning, I don't have to stop drinking that and eat pancakes every day. Like I can have the smoothie and it still be rooted out of this place of like freedom and like walking away from diets. It's It's the mentality. It's funny. My daughter yesterday was talking to me. She was like, where did that book go? The one with the, with the, whatever was on the front of it. It was my sugar detox book that I coached from. And, and, you know, at the time, this is my Uh, oldest. So uh she sort of has this memory of that because at the, you know, this is all, this was her life for the first five years Mm -hmm. we've been undoing for the next five. But, um, you know, she said, where did the book go? And I said, Oh, I don't have that book anymore. And she said, well, there was a recipe in that book that was so she, and she wanted me to make this recipe. And it would just like struck me. Cause I was thinking like, yeah, some of those recipes were really good. Mm. It's just that she doesn't associate them with being no sugar or anything like that. She just knows it was good. And she yeah. liked that particular recipe. And it's, it was exactly mm. this definition of, yeah, like all foods really do fit, whether they came from a diet book or not, it's, the, it was the mentality yes. behind them. And we can go make those. Yes. I think they were donuts. There were these like, like, honey, anyway, and I, I'm like, well, we can make them again because I'm not making them from a fear place now. Like, it's not like them because I'm terrified of giving you real yes. donuts, you know, or donuts from the store or a bakery. It's like, no, mm-hmm. we can make them because you like them and they're good and it's fun to make them together. Yeah. But there's no longer this charge around like, we have to make these and yes. only these. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Which brings so much freedom. And I think that's such a good example how kids can see things less like, black and white. I mean, I feel like there are often times I don't have kids yet, but I'm sure there's times where they do see things very like black and white, but, (laughs) but they can see things like, I liked this recipe. Can we make this? And it has nothing to do with like, Oh, well that's from that sugar detox book. So they must be like, quote unquote, healthy donuts. It's like, I like the way they taste. Can we make them? Where, yeah, I think it's like the motivation is so different than I'm sure it had been in the past when you made those donuts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There was such charge around. I mean, I was really, I was micromanaging my kids' food too. I mean, it was really seeping Mm -hmm. into their lives as well. And it's interesting because Mm -hmm. my oldest, the the one I'm talking about is the one who was the most affected Mm -hmm. by it because it was more of her life. Mm -hmm. And she was actually really obsessed with sugar when she was young. We would go to parties and she would just eat instead of play. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I've passed Mm -hmm. on my food addiction. Like she has what I have. She's broken Mm -hmm. too. She's obsessed with food, you know? And I really, really thought that. And so I I controlled and controlled Mm -hmm. even more. And she would just, I mean, she only wanted to sit at the food tables and yeah, fast forward to now. And it's been a lot of undoing for me, but it's also been a lot of undoing for her. We have all these foods in the house now. It is not, you know, my, my pantry looks so different Mm -hmm. and our freedom is just so different. And Mm -hmm. she is not like that anymore. I mean, she just, in fact, now it's, I mean, I, I, she's very, very like, whatever with food. She's, she's very neutral. I'm like, thank God that that Mm -hmm. I was, that that was able to happen at this point instead of later but just to watch that shift even in a in a child Mm -hmm. who you know didn't have she was learning to assign these things and to become more like oh afraid Mm -hmm. and then it it turns out that it wasn't 
an addiction or an obsession. Yes. It's simply a lack yes. of this. Yeah. <laughs> and when we make, when we allow all foods to fit, all foods to be accessible, yeah, that, that like urge to like binge on them or to like feel out of control goes away. Yeah, which is mm. like the hardest part because in, in the beginning, oh, yeah you're just feeling out of control. And I think that's the place where we're like, okay, put the brakes on. This doesn't work for me. I got to go. <laughs> um, because that yes. out of control feeling yes. is it, you don't know when it will end. You don't know if it will end. And you're like, this is definitely just the wrong path. This is not the way this is supposed to look. Yeah. And it's that sitting mm -hmm. through that part of it, that is what gets you to the other mm -hmm. side. And that happened for my daughter and for me in that where there was this period of time mm -hmm. of like, we're allowed to have this, we're going to have all of this. And there's that, that's part yeah. of this process. And maybe that's part of also what helps, mm. I think, the, the recovery mentality take root is understanding that that's normal and normalizing mm. that experience. Because yes. I think without any guidance yes. around that, it can feel like you're doing something wrong because it looks like you are and it feels terrible. But that being yeah. actually the way forward to getting to the more neutral mm -hmm. place because it doesn't stick around forever and ever. Yes. That's such a good point because there is that like, almost like those growing pains of like, you're going to still feel out of control around this food, but over time, like you'll feel more in control, but you kind of have to go through that like distress, discomfort. And that's where, you know, working with a therapist, a dietitian, a recovery coach, like thinking about the work that you do and being like accept more accessible to clients in those like panic attack breakdown type moments of, you know, oh my gosh, I just ate more of the ice cream than I thought this isn't working where they just need exactly. yeah, someone to say like, this is normal. Like this happens. Like there is an end in sight, but cause I, and I think it's also good to not like I don't, I, I see it in my like work I do with clients where it can be hard as the like provider to want to tell them like, okay, just in, in 10 days, it's going to be gone. You're going to feel more in control, but it's like, I can't tell you, you know, there's not a perfect like outline of like, okay, this process takes this many weeks or this many days. Yeah. It's, it's different for different people. But what I always tell clients, it's like, I can tell you, you will reach a point of feeling more in control around food, more comfortable around all foods. You just, it sounds so cliche, but like trusting yeah. the process and like sitting in that distress and that discomfort and leaning on your support team, leaning on your community, like that's what helps get you through it. Yeah. I, yeah. And you're right. There's no timeline for it. And it is, it's, it's really hard to be very so abstract and to say like, will yeah. end, but I don't know when, yes. but it does. Um, but it really yeah. does. I mean, I have so many clients who would come to me with, I have a text support between our sessions and would text mm -hmm. me and just be like, Oh, I'm just, I just, are you sure? Like I just constantly mm -hmm. in need of reassurance, which I remember as well. I remember just yeah. like, I would just eat up all oh, the yeah. information I could like anyone's story. I wanted to hear their story because it really, yeah. made, because you don't hear it anywhere else. You only hear diet culture, right. And mm -hmm. like wellness culture. And you're hearing those voices yes. all the time. Yes. And so you're like, Oh, I must, Oh my gosh, I'm really definitely in a lot of self-doubt right now because this is I'm hearing the opposite from mm. everything else. So to have someone to say, no, this is actually the way it, it looks and it will, you know, just keep, keep going. Yeah. You're, you're okay. And I even heard somebody say like, if you can enjoy it because like it will end and it's just enjoyed in yeah. the meantime, you know, enjoy the food you're having. And of course, I mean, the fear mm -hmm. often usurps that, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have clients too, who speaking of the wellness culture side of things will also say, 
you know, I feel like I'm destroying my health when I'm doing this. Am I going to be eating this for the rest of my life because I'm going to end up with like um, mm. all these conditions from it? And it being this, it's the same thing. Uh, it's the yes. same, you know, yes. either the concern is weight loss or it's health or, and most, most often both, I'm sorry, weight gain or, or health. Mm-hmm. And it's still the same process of trust. Yeah. It's the same process of understanding your body won't want to mass consume mm-hmm. forever because your body doesn't want to. It's also not, um, mm-hmm helpful to your body to feel constantly stuffed and full and only having fun foods, right? Let's say that that won't be the way it looks and Mm -hmm. give your body time to talk to you, like to communicate that back and have some faith in it because this is a relationship issue. Mm. You know what I mean? This is a, this is a matter of trusting one another Mm -hmm. because that trust has been broken for so long. Yeah. Um, and that your body will guide you back to a place Mm. where it wants the salads again. It wants the smoothies. And I hate to use those as like, those are like such the typical foods where you're using, talking about good, you know, I don't mean to be black and white about it either, but, but that that does happen. And that, um, yeah, you know, you can, you can get back to a place where gentle nutrition is, is a, is a factor and that you will, you will be able to do that in a, in a place that isn't triggering anymore when the mentality changes and when you really do mm-hmm. understand that food is allowed and you're not going to backtrack. Cause I think yes. our bodies are so used to being like, yeah, you let us do it to a point mm-hmm. and then you're, you're out of here, you yes. know? And it's that process of staying mm-hmm. with it that actually yeah. creates oh, the trust. That's also good. So a question I love to ask all of our guests, and I feel like this is super appropriate with all we've been talking about with food and, and just like finding that like happy, like gray area is what is a favorite food memory for you or something that stands out growing up recently? Um, because I think like Mm. we talked about with diet culture, wellness culture, like they want to take any enjoyment out of food and make it seem very black and white. Like, well, it's not supposed to be enjoyable. If it is, then you might be having too much of it. And, and so I think, you know, what I found even in my own journey to be so freeing is like to take time to think on like, okay, what foods do I actually enjoy and what are positive memories I have with food? So yeah, I would love to hear one that kind of stands out for you. Oh yeah. Like, gosh, I'm like having, I'm thinking of like five different things. Like remember that this and this. Um, yeah. So I used to go on vacation to New Hampshire with my grandparents, um, with, you know, my family and we would bring my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the deck on the back of this house that we used to stay at and looking out onto the lake every morning during that week of mm-hmm. vacation, my grandpa would go across and he would go across the street to this bakery and he would bring back like bagels and pastries and just all sorts of like breakfast breads and sweet breads and things. And we used to, as mm-hmm. kids, just like, we waited for that smell to come through and then we would get out of bed yeah. and we would run out there and we would be just like sitting in our pajamas on the deck, listening to birds, like with the breeze. I mean, this whole mm-hmm. scene, it was like, the most content I feel like I've ever felt in my life. And we would just enjoy. And I remember I would pick a different thing each day. It was, it was like sometimes I would have something sweet and some days I would have something yeah. savory and I wasn't thinking about it. I was just sitting there and we were all having it around the table and mm. how that, how that really shifted later. You know, I was maybe this memory I have is like six, seven, eight years old. And later like you mm-hmm. know breads and carbs and sugars and like that just became this whole nother thing and yeah. the simple 
enjoyment of it as part of a much mm. larger experience was taken, you know, and it just wasn't. And and now this is something I actually, mm. every summer when we go, mm. uh, we don't go to New Hampshire anymore, but I, I take, you know, our family and my kids, we go to this a beach near us in New Jersey and we do that. We have that in the morning and we sit on the porch and we mm. listen to the, you know, the seagulls yeah. and we don't have to of us but and it's part of the experience that I'm now enjoying with my kids um it's kind of come full circle in a way but it's there were so many years in between Mm. where this was like the the meaning of it got taken out but yeah um Mm. that was comfort at its finest and and just I love that yeah (laughs) Mm. I love that and how you've seen it yeah like you said come full circle where like you enjoyed it so much as a child and then had those years of like carb being you know, the enemy. And now you're able to like recreate that and still have that experience. I love, I love that. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, if they want to um, work with you, where would be the best way for people to find you? I am active on Instagram at I am Stephanie Michelle Mm -hmm. spelled with an F and one L. Mm -hmm. And I also have a website. I am Stephanie Michelle.com and I run body image groups and emotional eating Mm -hmm. and binge eating recovery support groups, as well as one-to-one coaching. And we'll make sure all that is linked in the show notes as well. Well, yeah, thank you, Stephanie so much for taking Thanks. time for this conversation. I feel like, and I think we mentioned this even before we hit record, I could talk on this topic for hours, <laughs> but I feel like we hit on a lot of just the, the yeah. really good information <laughs> of you know why diet culture and wellness culture can be so toxic and, and what freedom from them yeah. can look like. Yep. I could talk about it all day. You're, you're right. But thank you for having me today. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode. Are you ready to master your mindset and take your health habits to the next level? We created our free method shop with those goals in mind. In our shop, you'll find our Freedom Journal and Elevate Affirmation Cards. Our Freedom Journal is a mindset and gratitude journal that will be the perfect addition to your health and wellness journey. Complete with journal prompts and reflection questions, this journal will help you turn your goals into lasting habits. Each journal page is broken into five sections. Affirmations, gratitudes, what you're learning, what you need to let go of, and what you need to hold on to. The perfect addition to our Freedom Journal are our Elevate Affirmation Cards. These affirmation cards come with 31 mantras, prompts, and encouragements to elevate your relationship with food and body. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash store to order yours today. Thank you.